Welcome to Discussions Around a Table, number 003. Today we're going to be talking to Lindy about wellness and nutrition. Lindy has a degree in kinesiology and is currently working at a cardiac and pulmonary rehab center. Stay tuned for more of the episode. Welcome. We're back here again to discussions around our table. We are here today with, go ahead and introduce yourself. Um, so my name is Lindy. I'm a clinical exercise physiologist. Um, I work in cardiac and pulmonary rehab. Um, I have uh, my master's degree in kinesiology from Boise State and uh, my undergrad from exercise and exercise phys from Southern Utah University. So you went to Utah and Boise is that you're from any of those places or where are you from? Um, I'm actually from Idaho. Yeah. So, um, small town in the middle of nowhere near South central Idaho, Twin Falls area. Um, and, uh, yeah, but went to Utah just cause it was cheaper for whatever reason in state. You just didn't get as much money. Yeah. I've heard that Utah, like, like BYU is like one of the most cost effective out of state schools to go yeah, to. Yeah, and it's basically because it's a church school and then people get like money that they don't have to pay towards it. But um, yeah, Utah was actually super cheap. Like living there, even compared to Boise, you would think it's cheap. No, Utah was so much cheaper. Really? Yeah. Is there a big difference in the school? Is it themselves? I mean, universities are usually different cultures, but you can get different cultures in each. I mean, you go to WSU versus UW or you go to Oregon State versus OSU it's a totally different culture. Right, right. And I, yeah, so Southern Utah, smaller, like a small public university, but it's only got like 10,000 students, which is awesome. So your professors like know you by name. It's not like, hey, number 252. Um, so that was nice. And Boise State, yeah, is that bigger like school becoming rising sports stars. Um, so it's bigger. Uh, it. I can tell you right now, just personally, if I went to, did my like graduate research in Southern Utah, it would have been so much harder. Um, but I think it's more like the information that you learn and the opportunities you put yourself in. Mm-hmm. So uh, Boise was much easier in that aspect. Yeah. And Boise Broncos, right? Yes. They're the yeah. bright blue field or yeah, whatever it yeah, is. And... Yeah. Ducks <laughs> crash on the blue is what they say. It's what they say, but I don't yeah. know how often that happens nowadays. Supposedly it's happened once. Because the river is right next to the stadium, so they just get confused. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. yeah. So you said in kinesiology, what? I mean, that's a big kind of academic word. It is. So kinesiology is basically the study of human movement and the functions that happen with that. Um, So a lot of people in my field will have like a degree in exercise physiology or a master's of exercise physiology. Uh, Boise State doesn't have that or doesn't offer that. Uh, So you make it kind of your own, which is nice. So there were several tracks that you can go to, um, and the one that I chose to go to was basically more clinical. Um, but some people were going like our athletic trainers were there doing um, their master, so they could work in collegiate or even NFL teams or bath like NBA teams. So that was kind of cool. There were other people doing more like coaching. They're like, "Hey, I'm going to stay in here, so then I can do a um, coach at a Division One school." Um, and then there's even people like psychosocial, which is kind of interesting. So like sports psychologists, um, that's what they do. So is yours more like overall wellness based or is it more like sports performance based, like exercise heavy? So, I mean, you could go either way. 
Uh, a lot of our training that I went was more like wellness based and like managing chronic disease with exercise. But there's others out there that will do more of the sports performance, um, which is kind of cool. So you said that you right now are doing cardiac and pulmonary rehab. Right. Is that generally the track for wellness or is there other body systems, for lack of a better term, that you could also go into as opposed to just the heart and lungs? Right. Yeah. Oh, no, there is. So like... Uh, basically research out there that you see that comes out all the time that says, Hey, like you, if you exercise this many minutes, this will reduce your risk for death by this much percent. A lot of people are doing that body of research and their exercise physiologists along with like the doctors and the PhDs out there. Uh, So it's kind of a, it's a broad field, but you can be narrow or more broad if you need to be depending on what you need. So then did you desire the heart and the lungs or is that just the opportunities that you found available? So truthfully and honestly, uh, probably more desired. Most of the people in our field are like, especially undergrad, they're like, Oh, I'm going to go physical therapy. Like that's the route was one of those people. Not going to lie. Uh, got into things and went, Oh, I can't like, there's so much school involved and that's great. And I would really kind of want to specialize if I could, which is more time sat in an interview um, actually at a school in Oregon and they were like, well, you know, if you're going to specialize, there's not a lot of people in like that cardiac pulmonary type of things for physical therapy. Maybe you should look somewhere else. And I was like, oh, all right, maybe, maybe let's look into this and see what, see what's out there. Um, and it just kind of fell in my lap, but was not even thinking cardiac and pulmonary rehab till my last year of undergrad. So what a time to discover it. Yeah. Yeah. But loving it. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, you're glad you made that do you think you'd be just as happy in physical therapy or you really think this is really your niche? I think honestly, it's more my niche and and it's not just because of like physical therapy and what it does, but you see a lot of the same injuries and you don't have that same time that you have with your patients. Um, so it's kind of nice to get a connection with them and making positive changes that you can see those changes happen where PT is seeing them, but it's only like, I only have like four goals that I'm working towards mm-hmm. as opposed to overall wellness. So the program that you're in right now, is it, was it an established program that you sought out or is it one that was kind of in the infant stage and you thought you can get in on it and help build it? Or like, where is it at right now compared to where you started with it? The program that I work for right now? Yeah. Um, I think it was developed. Uh, there were a couple people here doing it, um, and it was fairly well developed, I think. Uh, but it was nice just to come in and have a fresh face out of school, understanding what's happening and have that passion and drive for it. But we've definitely made a lot of changes. So how long have you been postgraduate now, I guess? Uh, five years total. Okay. Yeah. All at the same place? Have you, have you only no. been here for a short time? Uh, I've been here for about four years total. Um, previous to this, I was in Montana um, and liked it, but was kind of missing the Pacific Northwest. This is where I always felt like I belonged. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Did you know, going through school, I mean, I guess you probably hear about certain programs, kind of the more preferred versus the least preferred. Did the program you were in, was that one that you heard about in school or not hear about until you actually started looking for jobs? Uh, more towards like after you look for jobs. Um, where I did my internship, I was like, oh, I want to be here in this monster, awesome program. And, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't work out when I was being there. And But now looking back, like small programs are, are the way to go. I, it's so nice. So what benefits do you find over a small program? I mean, what are you finding that you can do more of or that you're enjoying more of versus if you would have stayed where you did your internship at? Um, I think like the biggest thing that you have that perspective is that you can 
you know how we talked about a university and like you're just a number big program sometimes that's all it is you're getting the people out and you're pushing them out uh you hope that the people have the desire and and want to be there and help those people but it's harder to do that especially when you're having you know multiple people trying to push through how many referrals you're getting uh, it's just a lot those small programs are nice because it's more individualized so you feel like they're kind of other ones are more not stats driven but kind of more get as many numbers in and out as you can kind of having a yeah. high success rate as opposed to where now you're still have a high success rate but you're kind of having more time to more impact yeah, more, yeah. where you can probably see more long-term you know goals with these people because i'm guessing you're spending a little bit more time with them you get to know them a little bit more you can kind of get to know their story yeah a little bit you know, as, as most as you can i mean it's still a medical clinical setting that i'm sure you know not everybody's telling their whole life story but i'm sure you hear would likely hear more in a small setting versus you know this is the 10th person you've seen you know today and you have 20 more you're going to see tomorrow and you have i'm guessing a large number of coworkers who are also in there so I envision it being more like a globo gym versus a mom and pop gym type of idea. Right, right. Oh, absolutely. And I think that when you have that many people in that setting, um, yeah, there's they're leaning heavily on your coworkers or you know. But when you're by yourself, you're you. You know, you're making the impact of those differences, um, and that's kind of nice too. Is there anything you miss from the bigger facilities? I mean, was there equipment that they had that was definitely or like opportunity to i guess access to different things that you don't don't have at the smaller programs yeah and that that is true like it's nice sometimes to bounce ideas off your coworkers, um or to have great discussions there's more research going on usually at those bigger university settings or bigger hospitals and that's kind of nice to see too so yeah there's definitely pros and cons to both i just think for me and personally small is the way to go yeah, I mean, you know, the job that I'm in, I prefer work in a smaller department than a large department. I mean, large department does offer more, for lack of better term, opportunities because there's just more places that people need to be filled, you know, more positions that need to be there where when you're smaller, you kind of have to be, you can still specialize, but you still have to kind of know more. Whereas yeah. I'm oh, guessing a, a bigger one, you know, you can have, this person's really good at this specific thing so let's keep them there where i think you probably have to be more of a generalist you have to be kind of not necessarily the best at any one thing but really good at all the things oh absolutely so you know there's that saying out there the i think it's like the you're the jack of all trades and the masters of none well you have to be the jack of all trades and the master of all um so it's like a totally different setting from a big program and it's nice when you get to spend like a few times researching other things other than what you're typically doing so this gives some perspective to what you know we're talking about big versus small yeah how many people do you work with how many co-workers do you have and then how many patients do you can you guesstimate do you see either daily or weekly or whatever kind of stats that you kind of keep yeah so uh there's a total of five of us that work in our field and we're kind of divided between two locations which is hard so we bounce back and forth between the two um typically we probably see a total of somewhere around 20, 34 patients a day, anywhere from like 22 to 34 patients a day. Um, and a lot of those are repeats. So they're coming from three months at a time or sometimes less than that or more than that, depending on the situations. So like those relationships you talked about, I've never had anyone come back 
to any of the other places I've been and like visit us and drop off like goodies or, hey, I saw this candle and was thinking of you the other day. I've never been in a place like that. So how big were the other places? I mean, when you, oh, the place you interned. Massive. I mean, how many coworkers do you think you would have had there? Uh, I know right now, I think they have like 40, 50 employees. It's just So they had more huge. employees than you have patients. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so then would, you, would it be the same relative number? So they're seeing a couple hundred people a day or uh, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And then, so what's the time frame? I mean, if somebody enters in your program, what would you say is the average time that somebody, not counting repeats, the people who are kind of non-compliant, but if someone who comes in is the, one of your more average to successful rehab patients, what's the time usually from when you first see them until you, they kind of graduate out? three months two to three months um and so like depending on the program you're seeing them twice a week or three times a week so yeah two to three months so you're seeing you know roughly 20 to 35 people for three months versus 200 people for exactly three months or whatever i mean the chance of getting to know anybody more than just their chart i mean i'm sure you had to review people's charts more often in a bigger place to kind of refresh okay what are we working on today what's our goals that we have set versus now i'm sure you know johnny who came in from you know two months ago you, you just know you see his name on the board and, oh i know what his ailment is what we're trying to what goals we're trying to hit where he's at are you seeing an improvement are you not without having to review his chart as much I mean, i'm sure you do obviously do review his chart but it, there's probably less real i guess micromanaging of that person you would need in, i would guess in a bigger place no absolutely totally 100 percent true a bigger program or smaller program did you bring anything over any ideas or that kind of stuff or were you kind of just so new from school that when you first came here, it was just kind of, you're just happy to be there and right. kind of getting your, you know, feet wet and that kind of stuff. Uh, I brought some things that we were doing, some more like groundbreaking type of things that typically um, you wouldn't see in a small program that honestly benefits the people that we work with, whether it be participants or patients, um, however you want to word them. Because, you know, truthfully, they are participants, but they're also patients. Um, so, yeah, definitely brought some things over. Uh, things like, I can give you examples, like exercise testing. Um, when I got here, we just didn't have a really good system for where do we start someone when they first come in. And that's important in our world. Like, we don't start someone, like, from, oh, I, I always tell them, you didn't watch Biggest Loser? Like, we are not Biggest Loser. That's not what we do. Because most people walk in the thing, and they're like, a gym? I can't do that. I'm like a 75-year-old grandma that just had a heart attack. Are you kidding me? Are you having me having another one? No. So um, that was kind of nice, giving an exercise prescription that's more nailed down. Uh, But everything else, I think, is pretty standard in our field, which is nice. Um, There's a governing body that we can follow, research that's out there. It's kind of nice to have that, too. So you said, you know, the 75-year-old who just had the heart attack. What would you say is your most stereotypical patient? I mean, what's the kind of the age average and, you know, uh, condition average that people are coming in. I mean, obviously they're there for, you know, some type of medical rehab. So, and it's specialized, I guess, in heart and lungs, but is there a most common ailment that brings them there or like a most common, I guess, what's the risk age group that you're kind of dealing with? So typically age group. So I can tell you national average and then where we are. So national average, I would say is probably sixties. Um, I've seen someone as young as 18, but it was a congenital heart issue. Um, but our average is seventies and which is, it's just the area that we live in. Do you think that we're just having more active 
people who stay active longer or is it that they're not necessarily getting the same screening or I mean what kind of, do you think it's, I mean I guess what would you say that I mean that's a 10 year age disparity so yeah. what what would you think in your assessment would be a contributor to that our population here I mean definitely sets the tone I mean the average age of one of our towns is 60 um, so that definitely sets the population as a retirement age but I do find I find it puzzling that truthfully and honestly we don't have a lot of people that have had repeats um, and this is their first event which is I think maybe more typical, but not what you see in our settings. Um, so it, it's interesting, and it makes me wonder. There's a lot of people that were in the military in this area that were closely followed for a long period of time, but it would be an interesting study for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, in your experience, so I mean, coming from you know Boise area and seeing those patients, and coming from the Utah area, seeing you know those patients, you know, kind of two different settings, obviously. But would you say that the people you're interacting with is this a more active area, or is just kind of the age is really the biggest factor that this is a retirement community. So the average population age is much higher. That's a good question. Um, I think we are a pretty active community. When I talk to people all the time, they're like, I just went on a hike, you know, and it was awesome. I do think those bigger cities are too, um, but maybe it's just the lifestyle differences as well. Uh, Boise is a fairly active community. They have a lot of great outdoor opportunities. There's a green belt on the river bank, which is nice. Um, lots of hiking around too, but you know, I don't know that that's, that's like something that I think would be interesting to do a study this area and how it is and, um, retirement and why aren't we seeing more ailments? I mean, we have a lot of people with a ton of chronic diseases out here though. Um, and some people are just poorly managed from, you know, high stress job over in the Seattle area and come here and now they're retired and now they're okay. It's time to take care of myself. So you do see a lot of that. Yeah, I mean, you get, I mean, you, you that seventy, you're kind of hitting that baby boomer age where it was work yourself to the ground. I mean, you started working when you were young, and you're working until you know Medicare age, where you know that's probably the year seeing them. That they weren't generally their generation isn't known for taking sick days or going to the doctor or managing their own kind of stress levels. It was today's a work day. I go to work. When I come home, I do home stuff. And then tomorrow I get up and do the same thing. And, you know, I have my weekends to myself. Yeah. And so oh. I think we're seeing, mm-hmm. I would, you know, from my life perspective, I would guess that probably a big contributing factor is that if we fast forward 30, 40 years from now, I think you'll see one people are more educated about their health. I think now than they were 20, 30 years ago, not necessarily from a school standpoint, but I think just everybody's, it, it seems people are more aware of their health nowadays than they were I mean, smoking is not as common as it used to be. People are getting a lot more education on the, the effects of even, even things that are in our food to, you know, GMO wasn't a thing yeah. back in the 90s. Yeah. And organic was a real specialized, you know, you didn't have very big sections in stores. For any store you go into now, people are always advertising organic this, gluten-free that, non-GMO, where, I mean, I don't remember that stuff growing up. I probably didn't notice it as much, but I don't remember that stuff growing up. So I think that could potentially, you know, increase your numbers almost where you're seeing the average might go up potentially. Potentially. You know, and I, I do think that, like, I mean, those bring up good points that, you know, we are more educated, but I also think that we're not as active as we once were. No, that's true. I mean, I think the obesity rates and much diabetes higher. rate and those types are much higher than what they were because I think people aren't necessarily as 
they don't have as active of jobs. I mean, it's right. more office jobs nowadays, not as much manual labor jobs, not as much kind of work yourself to the bone type of jobs where now you're kind of having more. I mean, it, it is known that it's a sed- sedentary lifestyle is more common right now. Right. And actually, like, as I was driving over here, I don't know what prompted that, but I was actually thinking of that. I was like, man, I wonder how many like stress related injuries I'm going to have just from, you know, sitting at a desk or sitting behind a computer. This is all I do half of my day. I mean, yeah, I work with patients, but then there's a lot of charting that goes into what we do. So I was thinking of that as we come over, because I think I just heard, uh, oh, I know what prompted it. There was a, um, the news I, on my on my car, I have Sirius XM, which I love. Um, and the Today Show is on there. So NBC Nightly News came on. Well, there was a study, I guess, that recently came out that talked about people who sit for just six hours a day versus three hours a day. Their risk was almost double for getting a chronic disease. I was like, but that's all we do most of our lives now is we just sit. So I was like, oh, man, that's interesting. Well, I know there's a big push for, I mean, a lot of, you've seen a lot more common for people to have standing desks or at least adjustable desks. I've, you know, I've heard the, you know, both arguments that, you know, you should stand more, you know, standing desks are all the rage, but now they're kind of figuring out, well, maybe you shouldn't stand for your entire day and you should kind of go back and forth between standing and sitting and, you know, not do too much of one or the other. But I mean everybody has phones now and everybody has watches now that say, Hey, you should probably stand right now for a little bit. And so I think that could help, but I think we also do have a problem with, you know, the obesity rate and that, you know, we're not getting as much education out there for the younger generations. I mean, I remember all about the, you know, even though it's all kind of defunct now, but you know, the food pyramid was all the rage when I was in school and everybody had PE all the way up until high school where now, you're seeing a lot more kids who are parents are getting them waivers because they want to do more academics or want to do more of these other things, which I think is a service in that, you know, if the kids just aren't necessarily physically fit. They, you know, there is bullying. There is those types of things. They just don't enjoy it. You know, I have family members who just did not want to do PE. Mm-hmm. I can understand if supplementing it a little bit, but to completely eliminate it, then I think you're building bad habits at the same time as that, you know, if you don't grow up with fitness in your life, I don't know a lot of people who have a lot of ambition to then go seek it out in their 20s or 30s if they've never been taught how to run correctly or do a push-up correctly or dribble a ball or throw a ball or I mean I have a cousin who's you know in her 30s who doesn't know how to ride a bike she's never been taught how to ride a bike she's never been taught how to swim she's never been you know taught how to do anything necessarily athletic I mean she's still successful and she's still healthy but she found health related items later in her life and it's more directly you know i'm sure she has a lot of contributing to that but it's the people that she surrounded herself with kind of taught her those things i don't think she would necessarily you know i don't know how common it is to then find those things on your own if you've never been exposed to it right and have you heard of the term lifetime sports before ever no so my dad is a physical education teacher i mean recently retired but that's what he is and he's really passionate about exercise and activity So one of the things that he developed at the school he was teaching at is called Lifetime Sports. Basically, it teaches things that you can do over your lifetime that are considered active. So like archery, we'd go out and shoot balloons on this target, you know, out in the back of the PE building, Uh, even like skeet shoot, go to a range, we go do that, go golfing, go fly fishing, learn to tie flies, go mountain biking, rock climbing. I mean, you name it, that's what we did in that class. Um, and he was teaching for like, I want to say 30 some years. 
And that was like one of his biggest passionate projects he ever did. And you're right. A lot of things are not mandating physical exercise or activity or education in our school systems anymore. And that's becoming a problem. There's like that, what NFL play 60, you see that, but I don't, I don't know how much is actually happening with that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, they definitely, unless you have a really passionate coach or somebody who's really in the know, I think those are really big city, bigger marketplace types of things. I mean, being, you know, we're, we're right where it's a small market, even for sports. And we've never really had a lot of people leave here and go and be successful in the majors we've had you know a couple people get drafted here and there but we've never had anybody go on and have that long career Mm because we're a small market you know so we don't have those nfl players coming over here to come to our schools and do the rah-rah thing and that kind of stuff i mean you see them they're always in the you know bigger city areas but i think you know an issue with bringing that education out is that you're now sort of someone who graduates this year or even 10 years from now and they weren't exposed to pe and then they have kids 10 or 15 years later how are they going to teach their kids or make it important for them? You know, I think kids learn a lot from seeing what their parents do. Mm-hmm. They see their parents not being active. The chances of them being active later on in life is not as likely or it's not as, you know, important to them that, you know, I've found that, you know, our lifestyles we've had to make being active a priority so we can show it to our kids that we're not just going to sit inside all day long. And I think if they see us doing stuff, they're more likely to do it. But if, you know, if I'm sitting down watching TV and then tell them, hey, go turn your TV off and go outside, likely the first question is, well, you're not. You're watching TV. Why can't I watch TV? Right. And so I think that we're going to see a generational problem when the current people who are being less educated in health and fitness are then going to educate their own, you know, how are they going to know to what to look for, you know, getting their kids into sports. I mean, there still will be some that, you know, I wish I would have played this, so I'm going to, you know, have my kid play that. But I think you'll start seeing that dwindle a little bit less and less is that we're becoming a more spectator generation for a lot of things as opposed to really getting out there and being active. I mean, I know for, I mean, there's been lots of programs cut from the high school that I went to that were successful, but they just saw the numbers declining and they cut them. And then those kids, I mean, they couldn't even feel the football team for a couple of years. They're oh. borrowing athletes from other sports just to say you at least play a sport please come play football so we can field the team right. and so they're getting people who generally are playing you know lower contact sports you know still athletes you know tennis players and track and field members that kind of stuff where this is a sport you are an athlete but now take this ball and you know try not to get run over by these people who've been playing in bigger markets who've you know played for even four or five years, mm-hmm. you know, versus someone who's like, well, this is the first time I've ever caught a football. Please don't kill me. Yeah. Well, and sometimes as parents, you know, we're pushing kids like, hey, I played football. You should play football. And that's the only thing you should do. But we don't specialize anymore. Like there's a lot of research out there about specialization, children, and the harmful effects that occurs. Yeah. A gymnast absolutely needs to specialize young dancers, figure skaters. Yeah. But things like Get them to play a lot of things, whether it's just go kick a ball for 10 minutes. I don't care. Throw throw a baseball into a mitt. Those are important things to think of, too. And I think, yeah, it, there is some drivenness there, too, from you're just like you said, see someone watching TV. Well, why do I have to go outside just because you're doing that, too? Yeah, technology has taken over as well. And it's something that, I mean, look, we're clearly doing a podcast that has all this technology around it. And that's 
that's something to be said as well. I mean, I think there's, you know, definitely people who have very successful lives, you know, around technology, but to keep care of your health, you're going to have the people who have, you know, back injuries. Well, how'd you hurt your back? Was it, you know, nowadays? Oh, how'd you hurt your back? Oh, I heard it doing this activity where I think you're going to hear more people. Well, I heard it because I've been sitting at a desk for a long time. I went to go pick up this whatever, and I never was taught how to lift correctly. I was never, you know, had a strong enough core to pick up this monitor or what have you and now i've hurt myself and mm-hmm. so i think you'll see kind of like what you're talking about the stress injuries that you're going to see from all of your charting that kind of stuff i mean i think you'll see you know car- carpal tunnel was one that's more common but i think you can start probably seeing people who might have bad knees or bad backs and it's more probably from um not fatigue but kind of more atrophy where you're not using those muscles you're not using those you know joints as much and so our bodies are inherently lazy. They're going to stop providing, you know, nutrients to those areas. They're going to stop, you know, strengthening themselves. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's like, I mean, just as I sit here, I'm like, oh, my shoulders are rounded because that's what we end up doing. And like, you're sitting down, your hips are going to be sore after a while. And it is so true. But then that also limits people. So one of the main reasons people don't go to the gym Oh, cause time in my back hurts, you know, it's like, okay, well, hold on a minute. There's those barriers that we need to figure out how to get through so we can work through that. So you have a healthier lifestyle, but yeah, it's just, we're driving a different society now than we were even 15, 20 years ago. So, you know, speaking of that, you know, obviously you want to encourage everybody to be active and everybody to be healthy and that'd be, you know, a perfect society for health. But what are some things, so you, you know, there's people who say that, well, I don't have time, or I already have this injury, or I already have whatever, whatever that barrier is. What are things that people could be doing without having the commitment of, well, I don't, you know, I, I can't afford to go to the gym, or I can't, I don't have the time, you know, I have kids at home, or I'm reliant, you know, all these things. What stuff that someone could do, I mean, as best as you can explain, um, at home, you know, or at their work, or that kind of stuff. And, you know, I mean, just an example that I, I know is the, you know, like the standing desk is the, you know, every hour stand up, then you sit down for a little bit, but then it's also, well, maybe instead do 10 air squats every mm-hmm. hour mm-hmm. or something like that. I mean, I know that for a while, you know, they had like treadmill desks and all that kind of stuff. Like what, in from your field, do you think that almost anybody could be doing that would actually benefit them to make them so they don't have to come and see you when they're in their sixties, even if it is something, you know, minor, they only do a few times a day. Yeah. And honestly, walking. Uh, so anyone that's discharged from heart surgery, I had this surgeon one time, it was hilarious. He basically told the patient and this patient told me this, okay, your job, I fixed your heart. Now get off your butt and start moving. I mean, like literally is like, go for a walk. And I think too, we have to define the difference between exercise and physical activity, which is a completely another discussion, but exercise only has to be 10 minutes. That's it. 10 minutes. You can, a lot of our breaks are considered 15 minute breaks in the working world now. That's pretty standard. Get up, walk away from your desk. Don't stop moving for 10 minutes. Should they be hitting any goals? Like should they be trying to get their heart rate up or just the fact of getting up and even taking a leisurely walk around the block is, is that sufficient enough or should you be trying to hit even a little bit of a goal while you're doing it? Like a, even a, you know, distance or heart rate or, you know, work up till you sweat. I mean, what, what yeah, and it, goal should they start at? Yeah. And this is, I mean, that honestly depends on what your personal goal is, but if it's for health, 
Um, we use this thing called an RPE scale, rate of perceived exertion. So, um, one of the ways we use it, there's two different scales and there's arguments between people in our field, which one we use zero to 10 is what we use in ours. Zero sitting in a chair doing nothing at all. 10 is you just saw a bear in the woods. You ran for your life. You got in your car. Couldn't you move another step? Even if you wanted to, um, a three is what we consider moderate, moderate intensity works really well for people. Well, there's a thing called a talk test. So we should be able to carry on a conversation, but still have to pause for some deep breaths. So singing happy birthday or citing the Pledge of Allegiance, if you can do that and it's not taxing on your like breath, that's perfect. It may, maybe means you maybe can work a little bit harder than that, but once it gets like, oh, I, I could get it out, but it was a struggle that's the moderate intensity that we talk about. And that's just for health benefits. Um, so 10 minutes a day um, is just one way to do it just for initial, but the goal is actually 30 minutes. So if you do three, three times, I tell people, you know, before dinner, go for a walk, leave the dishes, go for a walk. Um, that's pretty easy. And you have two 15 minute breaks at work. Well, there's no reason you should not get at least 30 minutes of moderate intensity cardiovascular exercise. Now there's different things like strength training and flexibility, mobility that we talk about. Um, but just initially for health benefits, cardiovascular is the way to go. And just again, talk test. Can you carry on a conversation? Yes or no. And then, I mean, as somebody who maybe wants to start, would you recommend them getting like a Fitbit or a heart monitor, that kind of stuff to kind of set their own, you know, you can set goals in there kind of just to keep track of what's going on or you think those are kind of more fad things that I mean, people kind of do it, you know, oh, I have a Fitbit, so that means I'm healthier because I got one. Or right. do you think that there's actually like, you know, benefit, you know, someone who wants to get healthy, I want to start walking. Should they go and invest? I mean, either as cheap as $50. Right. Do you think it's a good investment for their health? Do you think you're going to see they're going to see a positive with keeping those goals or is it, you know, not really necessary until you get into a more exercise versus just, you know, getting up and moving, getting and, up phys and moving. physical activity. So I, I like them. I think they're a tool, but I don't think they're the only tool in the toolbox. So, I mean, I have one myself, my Garmin will buzz me if I haven't moved in like an hour or done a certain amount of steps in an hour to be like, Hey, get up and move time to move. I think they're a tool. I think they're a useful tool. But if you have like a workout buddy or, you know, an office worker that has the same break as you, they're also just as accountable to help you get that going. So it's one of those things that if it works for you, great. I think they're excellent tools. But if you feel like it's not going to work for you and you're going to spend 50 bucks and not even use it, then don't buy one. So if someone does their walking, they're meeting their goals, they're seeing some positive results. What's some other... I guess, low impact exercise that the, you know, the person who is severely overweight. So mm -hmm. running hurts too bad, mm -hmm. or, you know, they do have those injuries. So in your, what would be the next exercise you'd recommend so to them? For someone who has a lot of orthopedic limitations, like knees, hips, back, uh, again, walking, but in water, we call it water walking, water aerobics, low impact. Um, also think like biking. Um, biking is a really good way. There's some research out there about people in Europe and they bike everywhere they go that they have less chronic disease. Now there's multiple other factors that could be played into that, but 
they did focus on these people back to work most of the day. And again, that definition between exercise and physical activity comes into play, but especially when you're just doing it for health benefits, the more you can do, the better, whether it is distinctly exercise, whether it is distinctly physical activity, it, it, it's, it, it's important, but it's not the only factor. Um, when we talk about it in rehab, we want them to get exercise. So physical activity is anything above a resting state. Exercise is a certain type of physical activity that's um, done for purpose of health benefits. So if I was to go, you know, to the store and I walked around pushing my cart, some people would say, oh, you did 10 minutes of exercise because I was shopping. No, I did 10 minutes of physical activity. If I grabbed my cart, walked around the store without stopping for 10 minutes, then I went shopping, that 10 minutes I walked around the store, that's my exercise. Um, or some people are like, oh, mowing the lawn is hard work, especially with a push lawnmower that maybe has a broken, I don't even know what they call them, like self-guiding, propelled, uh, I don't yeah. know. Well, I so your self-propelled mower is not the, working. Yeah, there you go. There, that's it. Um, so those would be, yeah, it's a heavy physical activity, but it's not exercise. So mm. that's important to think about too. That's good. I mean, I think those are all good place for people to start. Like I said, everybody usually has some type of break. I mean, you see it, you know, people call it their smoke break. Well, if you're not a smoker, if you don't want to be a smoker anymore, to take that same amount of time to go walk around wherever it is. I mean, people generally don't work in such a dangerous environment. They can't just go walk around wherever they're at or whatnot. Or, you know, like I said, the store, you know, maybe don't take the spot closest to the door take the spot in the back 40 and walk right all the way there i mean any of those little things that if you're gonna go to the store anyways you might as well you know take that advantage i mean time wise it's really not gonna take you much more time to walk 25 30 more yards to your parking spot but you'll get that 25 to 30 yards of extra steps in yeah and if you go into the store every day or five times a day or you know however it is that's you know that adds up over a course of time and you know you might not necessarily notice big changes but my guess is that by not going to see you when you're in your 60s you could say well it could be a contributing factor of why mm-hmm. but not doing those things is likely going to have more detriment than you know doing those things but you can't quantify the people who you don't see right. because you don't know what their activity level was that kept them there but it could be something as minor as that was just enough right to kind of keep them out of you know your Harm's facility way. yeah and it, there's that there's that saying that um, y- people who do who are up on their feet all day are better than the person who just went and did 20 minutes of exercise and sat on the couch the rest of the day. So people who are up moving, shopping at the grocery store, moving around, doing a lot, there's that saying that they occurred more health benefits than probably the person that did the 20 minutes of cardiovascular exercise that they were doing, but then they sat on the couch all day for the rest of it. So the more physically active, the better you are. So we talked heavily about exercise. Yes. Do you have any easy changes people could do nutrition-wise? Something that, like one thing they could eliminate or one thing they could add to their diet that would get them to kind of kickstart that, you know, maybe healthier habits? Uh, Fruits and vegetables. So we always look at it and say, like, everyone says, oh, I meet the recommended guidelines. I'm like, well, do, do you really? Because 
It's five servings of fruit and five servings of vegetables is how um, it's often written. So that's like 10 servings a day. I'm like, I'm actually suspectful if they actually mean it's five total, but the way they use the word and it makes you think it's five servings of fruit, five servings of vegetables. People who eat that all day long would be so full. They probably couldn't eat anything else. Um, so I always say that is like number one, add more fresh fruits and vegetables to your diet. Um, number two would be just become conscious of your eating habits. So, okay, I'm going to have this hamburger today. I am now making sure that I'm not going to go home and have a big snack when I'm done because that's also important as well. Um, so those are options. Um, I was trying to think of any other, yeah, fruits and vegetables, conscious of your eating habits. Reduce your sugar intake. Yeah, and so that's the big thing that you know people say. Well, I, you know, I have a, a juice in the morning, and then I have all this other stuff that you can kind of go too far with that, though. Yeah, I think as well that you know if you have nothing but strawberries and raspberries and stuff that are, yes, it's natural sugar, but mm-hmm. either you're going to add more to it to you know make it more enjoyable, or you're just going to eat so much of it that glass of orange juice has almost just as much sugar as a candy bar depending on what you get mm-hmm. that you know you can definitely overdo it i'm sure there's healthier fruits than others or ones that are generally have less of the sugars or the less of the your body processes it a little bit better i know there's like some foods that you know people love to eat but your body doesn't really need it or process it and it just you know oh i had a whole you know i eat a bunch of corn or eat a bunch of celery those are fruits and vegetables you know grains and vegetables right. those are healthy right. but your body generally doesn't process them so right. you don't get any nutrients from so it's starting with fruits and vegetables but then probably transitioning to the right fruits and vegetables eventually right and you know starchy veggies are what we try to avoid which is like the corn and the potatoes and oh yeah those are really good they taste delicious i'm from idaho trust me potatoes steak and potatoes is like a way of life there and it is true but yeah finding those non-starchy veggies that you can have what we call unlimited amounts of uh, those are good things, um, like peppers, and I'm trying to think, like tomatoes can be classified either, or um, carrots, cucumbers, even, I mean, celery, yeah, doesn't have a lot of nutritional value per se, but those are those unlimited things that we can have throughout the day that are fulfilling. They usually pack a lot of water, and so then we're so full that we can't eat the crappy stuff that we end up eating most of the time. So what's a vegetable or fruit that you think it's a bad rep you'd recommend people give a shot? Like, you know, they grow up, oh, spinach is gross, or Brussels sprouts, I'm never going to eat those. Like, what one do you think that really has a real good nutritional value and really isn't as bad as you might have been led to believe growing up? Um, see, and I, I don't like Brussels sprouts. I've tried them myself. So personally, I think spinach is a better option. I'm trying to think of things that people have had. I mean... Even I mean, spinach like, has always kind of had a bad rap, but I mean, yeah. I, would, I would agree that, you know, growing up, we never had spinach in the mm-hmm. house. And traditionally, you know, when I thought of spinach, it was more the kind of the boiled, slimy, yeah. you know, looks like seaweed spinach, but it wasn't until I got older and was able to make my own decisions that, I mean, I can't tell you last time I had a lettuce salad, right. but it's more spinach salad, and I've never felt I was without right. having it that way. And even like sweet potatoes and uh, even like a baked potato it can be pretty healthy as long as you don't load it with like tons of butter and sour cream and cheese. And it still has a lot of benefits, even though it's a starchy vegetable, it still has a lot of benefits that 
Um, I think sweet potatoes for me, like sweet potatoes, yams, I thought it was disgusting. I find it adding it to my food all the time now, which is odd for me, but um, like, especially in like bowls with like rice and quinoa and broccoli and a sweet potato with my chicken. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think I see sweet potatoes are really becoming a big or a more popular, yeah. you know, thing to substitute out, you know, getting away from the potatoes, you know, you hear athletes, you know, they eat their sweet potato or their yams and their chicken and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's a very common one nowadays that, you know, I remember growing up was, you know, unless it was Thanksgiving, they had a bunch of marshmallows on top. You never <laughs> right? saw them. You couldn't go to the store and, or a restaurant and get sweet potato fries as opposed to regular fries. But, you know, I'd also agree that, you know, someone who says, oh, I eat a salad every day. Well, that doesn't count if you load it with a gallon of ranch and a whole bunch of cheese and those types of things that you've now made it you should have just got that hamburger because it probably had less calories or less saturated fat or less yeah. junk in it. There's the there's a book out there that actually we're going to buy for our, our patients that come through our program. It's called Eat This, Not That. It's uh, I think it's Men's Health that puts it out. It's actually kind of interesting. Like As you read it, you're like, oh, so I just tried to fulfill myself with like 500 calories where I could have just eaten this one thing and it would have been just as good for me. Or maybe not the best choice. So it's like one of those things that there's a lot of health food swaps you can make. And I think eat this good or eat. Yeah. What is it? Eat this, not that kind of helps nail people like the lay person. What should I eat versus what should I not eat down? Because there's so many fad diets, too, that we hear about all the time. They're like, is this good? Is this bad? Everything in moderation. We have to live a life. No, you'll see somebody says. I mean, even the, was it the FDA or the, you know, American Heart Association? Oh, eggs are good. Right. Oh, never mind. <laughs> just the whites. Oh, nope. We're changing again. Just the, you know, just the yolks. I mean, you'll see it kind of is how the, you know, the wind blows that they'll change their mind for those different types of things. But, you know, I've heard for a long time in a lot of, you know, the podcasts I've listened to or the, you know, exercise stuff that I've read is that, you know, generally Americans were not, you know, our obesity rates up. So we're not without you know, none of us are hungry, but we're very malnourished. So we're not getting good food. You know, we're going to McDonald's and getting the cheeseburger and that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. we're not hungry, mm-hmm. but we're not getting any of the nutrients that we need. We're not getting, so, you know, people can say, well, I eat, I'm just eating less, but you're eating less of still bad stuff. I mean, it's. Yeah. Convenience you, foods. Yeah. 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 That by the, you know, you, you, you know, stop at the convenience store or the you know, the stop and rob and you go in there and, you know, grab the burrito. I had a, you know, just one burrito today, not two. Well, you still ate a burrito that didn't have any nutrients. So that's why you were hungry right? 20 or 30 minutes later because that's what your body's more craving. It's not craving necessarily the quantity of food that you're eating. It's mm-hmm. craving the nutrients that, you know, the protein, the mm-hmm. healthier fats and, you know, some sugars and starches and that kind of stuff your mm-hmm. body can crave. But if you feed it, you know, put bad fuel in your car it's not going to go very far right your body's the exact same way yeah exactly and i think uh, that convenience food that we have like you know, it's drive through or going to the grocery store and picking up the prepackaged stuff that only takes 10 minutes to make is becoming a way of life and i always laugh and i'm like okay our grandparents who probably grew up in the great depression area at least for me were tor- maybe towards the tail end of it they made their own like they would scrape through things and find things that none of us would even think about eating now. Um, and so getting back, having sitting down at the dinner table, creating a meal with your family and your kids is important that I think we're missing that sometimes in society today. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just health wise, I mean, just society wise, I think you'll see, you know, having that positive tradition or experience mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. you know, 
figuring out what your kids are doing every day, talking to your spouse or your significant other or your roommates and just having that social interaction. I mean, humans in general are tribes of people I mean, they've kind of always, you know, being a loner is not as common. And so you, you know, we crave that interaction with people. And sometimes that's all some people might get the people who work jobs or might be by themselves, that kind of stuff that they still tend to reach out where unfortunately more people reaching out for their interaction with humans via social media, as opposed to sitting down at the table and discussing whatever events, you know, with that. that. And then, you know, same with, you know, their kids are, they're eating, you know, it's more common to eat in front of the TV or eat in their bedrooms or whatnot. And, you know, as opposed to sitting down the table and having that interaction, having those positive conversations, you know, that you can have with your kids and really have that influence on them. Yeah. Or even, I mean, just like we're talking about, go out and, Instead of watching TV, shut the TV off and go throw a football with your child or frisbee. It doesn't even have to be like, you know, kick a ball. Heck, there was a game called kick the can. I mean, like that was a thing when we were kids and something fun. Yeah. So those are, (laughs) no one says you have to have equipment to do things. Just your legs and arms and get moving. All right. So we're going to wrap it up here. We're going to ask the questions that we're going to ask all of our guests. And so it's oh boy, whatever comes to your head, kind of your first response, you can take a little bit of time. You know, if you really have, you know, an answer you want to give, you can justify your answer or you can qualify it however you want, or you can just answer and we'll move on to the next one. Okay. You ready? Yes. So what is your favorite word? Oh, I think you prompted me with this one. Hmm. The only word that's sitting right in front of me is gather. But, I mean, we talked about, like, you know, society and how we're doing it. Uh, eh, yeah, that's nice. That works. <laughs> so then what is your least favorite word then? Or even a word that you don't agree should be a word? Because I know it's very common every year now for Webster to add more words. Oh, right. Uh, it'd probably be, like, a fad word. I can't even think of anything that, like, pops into my head right now. But uh, Like fleek? yeah that's so fleek uh i'm trying to think of like those words that are like stop saying that so we'll move on okay what is a trait that you find attractive trait that i find attractive uh a smile so someone has a good smile that kind of draws you in yeah yeah so then what's something that you would find unattractive what's a trait that if you look at somebody they could be a 10 and then that trait just dropped into if a zero. they have a scowl on their face, like, forget that. That's not even going to go anywhere. So you like someone that, you know, has more happy emotions, I guess. They emote that way as opposed to somebody who's got... Yeah. I mean, I don't mind approaching people that are, like, look angry and things like that because sometimes they're just having a bad day. But, yeah, if you're, like, sitting there, like, scowling in the corner, clearly I'm not engaged in anything, yeah, no. So this one you might have to think back a little bit more. What is a... No- like your favorite noise what's something that when you hear it just brings back good memories or something that you really associate with happier times as opposed to other things music music can be that way um i mean my mom would always play around christmas time music i still would to this day be like oh she's wrapping christmas presents again because she's playing that music but it, it is a happier times like it does fuel now do you want to say specifically what type of music or is it just oh, music it's classical. in general Classical music, and I've become more more adapted. And like, well, not adapt. Like, are we talking classical, like Mozart and Bach? Or are we talking like just old Christmas songs? Well, both. I mean, Mozart, Bach, yeah, Christmas music in general. 
I find myself listening to more like instrumental music at work when I'm trying to focus than anything. And I actually enjoy it. So then on the flip side, what's the sound or noise that you hate? Oh, so so we're talking about exercise, the gym, when people drop the weights, why? If you're having to drop the weight themselves and not put them down, maybe you shouldn't be using that much weight. And okay, I, I get it. I'm not in the sports performance world, but come on. So is it just the clanging around or is this the, the act of what they're doing that you just associate that with, in your mind, bad form or bad? It could be, yeah, probably both. It's just like it vibrates the whole floor. You'll hear it. It's like, boom. It's like, what was that? Even over my music that's playing as I'm like working out. So what is your favorite curse word? Curse word? I think you know me pretty well that I don't swear very often. But then you have to have an alternative though. <sighs> so I, instead I of- do. So I had a roommate and she called everyone like a gomer fish or a dork fish. Yeah, that's totally... I haven't used it in a while, but that was one of my favorite ones. That's your go-to? Yeah, yeah. So what profession, other than you, your own, would you like to attempt? So it could either be mm-hmm. currently or even like when you were a kid, like I'm going to be an astronaut when I grow up. So right. what was what was the what was something that, you know, another alternative field that you like, you know, even however outlandish it would be? Outlandish? I don't even know what mine was. I think it'd be cool to be like a dancer. For someone that would be kind of interesting i'm sure you get maybe a dance company and a dance company would be neat yeah so like a more like ballet or like a background like hip-hop type like that kind of i mean one is more you know theatrical where one's kind of more stylized and in support of another thing that's going on right uh i think ballet would be cool or even contemporary i don't think i could if i don't even swear i don't even think i could do like hip-hop <laughs> no. i mean more where the so something where the the dance is the focus as opposed to you're just kind of, you know, literally a background to the performance is going on. Yeah, that, that's true. But I don't know if I'd want to be front and center because then everyone would be staring at me and I don't think I'd be good in that situation. <laughs> so I'd be like in the background just... You could be like the happy tree in the nutcracker yeah. <laughs> or something. Yeah, that works. <laughs> so what profession would you not want to do? No matter what the cost or the benefits that they would pay you, you're just like, nope not doing that job Ooh, so like your job comes to mind i don't think i could be mean enough to do that uh but not all mean i i know no 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 that's not what i mean but it's just like sometimes you have to get harsh and i, I don't know if i could do that and stand up for myself that way and not open up you know too much of a debate but if heaven does exist what would you want god to say to you when you showed up it was all worth it one of the that's good yeah yeah one of the one of the jokes that one of my friends used to say is like, well, when I die, I have one question to ask. Why did you make me a woman? There's so much more stuff that could go on. And I just laugh and I was like, well, it's got to be worth it, right? So I always would say that to her or other people and ask it. So, yeah. Good. That's a good answer. Well, thank you for coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. The views, information, or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved. You're not representing the organization, current former employer, agency, community, group, government entity, or individual office during the recording. The host of discussions around the table and their guests are not subject matter experts in the topics that are discussed and strictly expressed by the host or the guests. Any information on this podcast is done so in good faith, if no malicious intent, or intentional misrepresentation. While the host and their guests have taken every precaution to ensure the content is both current and accurate, errors can occur. We make no representations as to the accuracy, completeness, correctness, suitability, or validity of any information on this podcast. Injuries or damages arising from this use. It is the listener's responsibility to verify the facts, form their own opinions. 
and listeners should consult with a licensed professional who may look their particular factual situation for advice before making any legal, financial, business, or personal decisions based on the information from this podcast. Any action taken based on the information of this podcast is strictly a